Welcome to another episode of the Bitter Jury Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Westhoff, and joining me tonight is the entire crew who normally joins me, who is laughing at me, and so now I'm a little shook in my intro here, but we will uh, push push through. Uh, welcome to another episode, and welcome to the Cameron Eviction episode of the Bitter Jury Podcast. It took 70 full days, it took two full evictions and two unanimous votes, but finally Cameron is out of this house so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Bowie Jang's HOH week. We've got Zingbot uh, to discuss some uh, major burns going on. A lot to get into uh, tonight. And so first, let me introduce, uh, who do I normally start with? I normally start with Sarah. So Sarah, you're going last night. So I will start first with Richard. Richard, welcome to the podcast. Uh, you look exquisite tonight. How are you doing? God damn it. I was going to do the same thing to you. <laughs> God, everybody's just taking my mojo tonight. Um, yeah, great episode. I think we're all in full light tonight for uh, Cameron finally going home. But yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. All right. Well, also joining me is the man who's been with me from the beginning, Charles. Welcome back to the podcast. What is your favorite Kevin Costner movie? <laughs> wow. Um can't really say I can name one. Uh, actually, you know what? Bull Durham. There we go. Um, I actually do like that movie now that I think about it. But yeah, happy to be back. Um, truthfully, was not laughing at you. I was laughing at the fact that at the end of the count now that Sarah and I both turned and smiled at the camera as if we were on like the Hollywood wall. <laughs> um, I was laughing at Charles. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't worry. I can't name a Kevin Costner movie either. I can't even picture who he is. So, uh, oh, but wow. apparently, sure. Cameron's a big fan. That's what I learned tonight. Yeah. Uh, but finally, but definitely not least, is my sister Sarah. Sarah, welcome back to the Bitter Jury Podcast. Now that we officially have our first juror of the season, tell me what is the bitterness level of Cameron leaving the house on a scale of one to ten. Well, the bitterness level right now is that um, if any of you all watch Yellowstone, you are absolutely buried deep because <laughs> Kevin Costner is the main character. Um, <laughs> that makes sense with the cowboy, but never seen it. So I'm clear. <laughs> OK, great. Um, am I bitter about Cameron leaving? No, no, no. Not are you bitter. What is his bitterness level now that he's left the house and joined the jury? Um. I know, and if you're bitter, you can talk about it. <laughs> you know, as he was doing his exit interview, I questioned whether or not production should like have someone looking out for him the first week because he kind of looked he kind of looked a little bummed. <laughs> not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, he tried every which way to, to wiggle his way out of this eviction, but that man has been playing by the skin of his teeth the entire season if he wasn't hoh he was on the block so uh, this is a long time coming but we'll get into all the details um you know i'm thinking about how we'll format this episode there wasn't a lot like dramatic there wasn't like a certain like exclamation point this week that we would normally focus on uh to start the episode um and so i guess i'll just start here uh i guess the most bizarre and interesting portion of the week was that Bowie was the HOH. And so we actually got to see her play. Uh, she's been doing nothing all summer from, you know, from my perspective, at least. 
and all of a sudden now she's HOH and she's playing the game. She's talking to people, gathering information, forming alliances. Uh, I was, uh, I mean, impressed is a strong word, but I at least was like, okay, a player does exist in there. Um, Richard, what was your thoughts on uh, FBJ's week in the HOH role? Uh, and did she use it to, like, did she make the most of it? Did she make the right decision with Cameron walking out that door? I'm going to make a call back to what I said last week. If FBJ wants to stand any chance of winning this game, she needs to take her opportunities to make a big move. That move was made when she put Suri and Felish on the block. That move was then nullified when she decided to double back on it. I literally listed th- what players would be smart for her to get rid of and be able to claim it as being on her HOH week and which players were stupid moves that were easy targets. Corey, America, Cameron, all, in my opinion, easy targets um, would have been the easy way to go, and that's not a move to me. It's just what the house wanted. On the other hand, Matt, Jag, Suri, to an extent, Felicia, because of that link to Suri, would have, especially like that three, that trio of Suri, Matt, and Jag. If one of them went home this week, that would have been a great move for FBJ to put in her resume. If the Aussie is the one that we're looking at, you know, come come finale night. So I don't know. I don't know if it's the right decision. I don't personally. I don't think it was. Well, Charles, we uh. You know, I've gone this whole season and, you know, when I saw Suri walk in that door night one, I, in my mind, I thought everybody in the house would be targeting her like from the beginning, thinking if she makes it to those final two seats, that she would be the obvious winner in that scenario. But it seemed like either because of Suri's ability to snow people or just because, you know, you get lost in the game, no one's even targeted Suri uh, this entire season. So I, what did you think about Bowie Jane direct shot being like Suri is the biggest threat in this game? I thought it was a little refreshing to finally be like, oh, all these people aren't crazy in this house. Someone actually does see that Suri is a huge threat because of her survivor history. Like no one's called that out, at least from what I've seen. What would you think about that? Um, I'll partially disagree, even though I feel like that may be too harsh of a word. Um you know, thinking it's kind of why I liked Cameron's gameplay. It's like he didn't directly try to attack Sari, but he attacked her where it counted by going for her allies. Because I think that he clearly recognized how big of a threat Sari was, which is why he wanted to break those things up. Which is why I'm truthfully upset that someone who was chosen to play the game the entire time is now gone. Um, you know, with that being said, though, I, I agree with, um, you know, Richard, like, Bowie Jane could have taken a bigger direct target out in keeping things as she had them. And I think that truthfully, Bowie Jane just looked at it from the extent of she's still hurt by them, you know, not including her in that previous vote several weeks ago. And that she pretty much just showed how much she's truthfully willing to be loyal with someone and what the consequence is for going against that loyalty. And I think that 
it wasn't necessarily Bowie Jane targeting them as much as it was as showing, hey, you hurt me. This is a little bit revenge and a little bit gameplay. Because I'm not really on board yet by saying that Bowie Jane is playing the game. You know, her entire HOH was run by Matt and Jag, which as much as I hate to say that as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I disagree, but I'm kind of in the middle with you on that one. I would, I will say, because I today I binged all three episodes back to back to back, uh, and I did have in my notes that that entire first episode seemed like it was the Jag and Matt uh, HOH because for 40 minutes we didn't even see Bowie until the very end of it, and at that point they were in her ear already. Uh, Sarah, last words on Bowie Jane go to you. Uh, I maybe I missed this, and I'm just aloof. Did we always know that? Or I, well, one, did I hear it correctly tonight? But did we always know Bowie Jane was a lawyer outside of being a DJ? Because I did not clock that. And then two, you are our resident live feeder uh, because I took the week off to do more tennis stuff. So is there anything we missed on the live feeds that will help shape out this Bowie Jane week for us? Yeah, you know, I dis- I disagree on most fronts. I don't think Bowie Jane had much of a choice this week. Um, for me, I think Bowie Jane was kind of backed into a corner. You know, on one side, she had Matt and Jag in her ear. On another side, she had Corey and America in her ear. You know, Sari obviously knows how to play a social game. Um And the targets that she was going after, the targets that she intended to go after weren't panning out for her. And essentially, no matter what, she wasn't going to have the votes for the target that she wanted to get out this week, which was Sari. Um, So no matter like who, who she put up, it was really dependent on what the house wanted this week. And I think that other house has kind of made that clear to her as she was discussing her target with them. And maybe that is a power move that she's not so strong in like, um, with other HOHs, you know, they're the ones that are saying, okay, I have this plan. I have this plan. I have this plan and this is how it's going to happen. And everyone else is like, oh yeah, 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 no, for sure. But with Bowie, you know, obviously she didn't have that power structure of where whenever she said who her target was going to be, no one followed after her. So for me, I don't think Bowie had much of a choice um, on who she wanted to get rid of this week. But I also don't remember the first part of your question you asked. I just brought up that she was a lawyer. Is that even real? Oh, yes. She is a lawyer that was made known at the beginning of the show. But we've all focused on. Well, all of the gifts and all of the short clips on the episode are her DJing, DJing. So I never even. Well, she hid. She decided to hide that from the house. Well, Uh, she's just struggled in so many situations because I think because she's hit her age, she ultimately has to hide like all these other parts of herself. And let's say say she's lying about her age because she has not hidden it at all. Yeah, like she's not hiding anything. You know, no, she's just straight up lying. And everyone knows. And it just doesn't make sense, like for her game. 
she wanted to play young so that she could play with the young people. But everyone just thinks that she's lying. So it just puts everything in a weird. Well, not only, not only that, but like, and no offense to me and Charles, the resident older people on this pod, but like in the Big Brother universe, 35 is still not with the young crowd. You're going to be grouped in with the old crowd, probably. Um, and so this season's a little more older, but most seasons, everyone's 20 to 30 basically with a couple of older players. So yeah. I'm not even no. sure how worth how much was it worth even doing that bit for like being 35. Yeah, I don't know. Um I have a quick question though, just to the group as we're kind of talking about Bowie Jane and her lack of HOH. But with that being said, you know, Sarah, you said a couple of times Bowie Jane's game. I'm truthfully still trying to figure out what her game is. Because you see oftentimes people come into the house and they say, you know what, I'm going to be a floater, but then they're still at least involved in conversations or they're interacting with people in some way that's proving to be beneficial to someone else's game at that point. I genuinely don't know what the fuck her game is. And I mean, we got to go back and we haven't brought it up yet. She admitted that she didn't even want to win the HOH. So she's like, you're at jury, so you need to do something in this fucking game at this point. And you're upset that you won. And now you're like, I just don't want to do anything that make that's going to make anybody look at me. So like, what is her game? I've got a quick take on this real quick, Richard, yeah. and I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll send it to you. Uh, I think part of it is just the, an expectations game. Like, the first probably four or five weeks of this game, I was under the assumption that she actually did not understand how the U.S. Big Brother game worked. I thought that she literally thought it was like the Australian Big Brother and thought it was like a summer party where you can win games and win some money. But mostly it was like real world, you know, like we're just living in a house and winning some money. So I thought that like she was actually disadvantaged by not even understanding that this, how competitive and cutthroat this game can be. And so then when I saw her this week and she's out here talking about how much of a threat level Suri is, if she makes it to the end, going from zero to even that amount of strategy, I was like, Oh wow. Like she, she's playing the game. That's so cute. Like welcome like Bowie. And so that's why I like credited her with having some game this week. But if any other player in the house made the same moves, like I'd be shrugging my shoulders and like actually like analyzing what's the strategic value of that gameplay versus just like, Oh, welcome to the game. Like I did Bowie. Go ahead, Richard. I think we have, and I hate that I bring her up almost every single time, but it's the best way to describe it. I think we have a Victoria situation here where we have someone that's not playing the game, but is convinced that they're playing the <laughs> game. Like if Zingbot had said to Bowie Jane, sorry, I don't roast people that don't play the game. I think we would have gotten the same confessional from um, from Bowie Jane, where it was like, what do you mean, Zingbot? I am playing the game. <laughs> but everybody at home is like, no, you're not. So that's where I think we're at right now with her. And I agree with Wesoff hearing her say that Sari has a threat level and that should and that like Sari is, is someone that should be out of the game. I was also like, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to, to Big Brother 45. 
eight weeks in. Welcome. I like that you just mixed up Survivor and Big Brother by calling this Big Brother 45, but that's why you're our resident Did I say Survivor. Yeah. Did I say 45? <laughs> yeah. Shit. It's all right. Your mind's on Survivor. I You're just waiting oh. for me to watch the new episode so we can text about it. But um, all right. Well, let's move on from Bowie Jane. Uh, before we get to the fun of Zingbot, uh, this week really had some heartfelt moments. So I want to touch on a few of these uh, and just kind of. You know, we don't get these that often with Big Brother. It's a lot of goo and and fart noises and costumes. And so this week they actually took the time and we got to learn some more about some of these players. Uh, first, it was cool, Sarah, to see Jag and, you know, really get to have a moment to explain his turban, how it's styled, how much work he puts into putting it on every, every morning, like seeing the other players kind of... Uh, uh, support him in in that um, lifestyle is probably the wrong word, but just like you know, he's he's the first seek player we've seen on this game, and so it's kind of a big deal to just even have him in the house. And so I thought it was really cool to see Big Brother shine a spotlight on this unique aspect about Jag and like let him talk about it for a moment. What do you think about that segment? Yeah, listen, like jag has swag like i'm not joking like all all of his everything is different colors um and i love that about him i love that they showed it i think that it's important to have diversity um it's important to see what's important to others in their religion um, and it's important to highlight those things for people. So I'm really glad that we saw that of Jag. Um, and I'm really glad that we're finally getting some sick people on the show because it's uh, much deserved <laughs> to Big Brother and her. I mean, it's much deserved for them to or like. It's just time. It's time. Yeah, absolutely. We've seen in the news recently that there can be a lot of negative connotations out there with different religions and politics and whatnot. So just the more represent representation we see on our televisions and a fun scenario, like the big brother game, uh, it just, you know, opens up the audience of big brother to learn about these other cultures. Uh, Charles, we also saw big brother dive into Felicia's past a little bit. She talked about going through some abuse for a previous husband and that's why she joined the military. Uh, I thought that was a really, you know, touching moment. I didn't realize that Felicia had that background and it kind of speaks to her character and maybe why she has such a strong personality that maybe that's built up from some past uh, trauma. To you, to, to you Charles. I, know, I, I was waiting on an actual <laughs> question. You just made uh, uh, what did you What did you think with... about the segment? Sorry. No, no, no. I was just confused. You just made an intro with no... Uh... Exactly. Uh, no, it was it was great. You know, again, I feel as if not to take away from you asking directly about Miss Felicia, but every player in there has some sort of story. I think that's what has made mm -hmm. reality television fantastic over the years and getting to see those moments and having someone be in the house long enough to be able to share that and have that come through. You know, those are bonds that are obviously going to bind them. You know, I also, you know, can kind of relate to some of the things that she said too, truthfully. So that, that was really, really cool to hear. Um, maybe softened me just a smidge on 
how much I want her gone from the house. But you know me, I, I can separate the player from the personality. So, um, but no, very, very cool to have seen that this week. Um, I know I'm hoping you're going to bring up the other one because I feel as if it may also be the uh, first time. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you roll right into it. Uh, I'm assuming the other one is Matt and his struggles. Uh, I do want to call you out, though. You do separate game from player in all aspects unless they are summer from Canada 10. Then you just don't give them any time of day. Then it's all, then that's all the same. <laughs> you're, you're right. You're but right. go on. So, yeah, the, the final thing we were going to talk about is Matt and his struggles this week. I'm assuming that's what you're referring to. Yeah, and I, and I hope it didn't take away from your segue, but um, the one note I had written is that this was perhaps the first time that Daniel and I share a, a cry moment. In the <laughs> oh, you know I teared up for it, sure. It definitely got me. It, it got me hardcore. Um, but Matt did bring up how it's been really, really hard for him to just interact in the game because it's a game of whispers. It's a house of whispers. And he is forced to be there around that. And, you know, he made the statement, too, that that's something that he doesn't tolerate in his normal life outside of the house. And everybody around him is able to be respectful and not whisper around him because they know that that's a setback. And it just really got to him, you know, and he stormed out of the room at one point. But then he and Jag had a, a really cool conversation and literally watching Matt cry. I mean, again, just watching another human being cry. It, it gets to me again. I'm pretty emotional. I've truthfully had a really emotional week in general. Um, so yeah, it, yeah. I'll say that before I get emotional. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, for those of you who don't know, Charles and I, we uh, were criers. So we've uh, had many discussions about this before, uh, but no, I thought it was touching. I, I actually, like I sometimes I forget that, you know, Matt used that power to save Jag's game. I don't even think at the time he even was really like making that decision about Jag. It was mostly like a Suri decision. He was following Suri's lead, but it just is interesting to see now five, six weeks later, how big of an impact that had on Matt and how that's become his ride or die. And Jag's the guy that looks out for him and uh, lets him vent and brings him back information. So, and clarifies things when he's not able to pick up on those whispers. So uh, good on you, big brother. You pulled on my heartstrings a little bit this week. Um, it's nice to see something other than farts and goo sometimes. So, uh, but back to the farts and goo, this was Zingbot week. And boy, did uh, Zingbot come with some zings. Well, correction, it was OTEV week because of the scramble verse. Yeah, I don't even really, I don't even know how we really label that. It's still yeah. Zingbot, but he's the he's, he's Zingbot. OTEV. Yeah, I don't know, but Richard, I'll just start with you from the uh, from the zings we saw on our uh, Tuesday night episode. Did any of them stand out to you? What we, what was your favorite zing? Oh, it, it's a question. It's it's a question. I, I mean, I don't mind, but we're all gonna have the same answer. Oh, of course, it's Corey's. I was genuinely con like once I watched it, I was genuinely contemplating making just one video compilation of the three Zingbot songs: <laughs> Christmas, Nicole, Franzel, and then Corey, just to watch all of it together in its glory. I don't think anything is going to beat Christmas's zing from Big Brother like 19 in my eyes. 
but like Franzel's um whines and cries and then Corey's not beautiful. Those are real close. Those are real close. Yeah, if you're thought- talking outside of that, I enjoyed um did I'm pretty sure she's talking about um Bowie's big ass teeth. Was that the one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that one. You still that haven't hit my great. favorite one. Sarah, your oh. favorite zing. Oh wait, Sarah, Sarah, you're muted. You're muted, Sarah. Well, well, well. Um, I have two in particular favorite zings. Obviously, my first being Corey's full-blown song, but my second is obviously um Zingbod calling Cameron a big effing tool <laughs> because that was fracking funny <laughs> it really was but uh yeah Corey's song was hilarious america's joke however was not because if roles were reversed no one would ever give anyone crap about <laughs> a man being 27 and a woman being 22 just saying can i also say really quickly the line uh, from the song America, did you get a lobotomy? <laughs> that Had was me good. on the floor oh. laughing <laughs> and crying. Oh, that was the worst part of it, but I was in tears over the It was so song. funny, though. It was so funny. I will say the only redeeming part of America's zing was that uh, Felicia did come in in her uh, cameo and was like, you know, it's not that bad, but he does still live with his parents, so maybe do give that cradle back. Okay, but we all know Corey was feeling real good about himself when he was in that DR and he was given that (laughs) straight face and then saying, actually, it was the best day of my life. Oh, yeah. Corey's been feeling himself for a while. (laughs) Moment. Mm -hmm. Charles, you give me your uh, your favorites. Is it anything different from those? Yeah. uh, So top was definitely the song. Um, We were in a text and I think you all got what (laughs) my thoughts on that. There's actually two others that are really, really close. Uh, one, McCall. Yes, thank you. Absolutely fucking loved how they start, how Otev started talking, Zingbot, whatever. And everyone's confused because they're like, wait, McCall's not here. And it's like, <laughs> yes, she's not here. And I didn't notice the difference because she did nothing. And the other Zing, which is actually along the same lines, was about Jag because he also has done nothing. So I loved the Lamborghini, uh, the Bor, the Borvet, and the what was it? I wrote it down. Uh, Aston Moron, Aston Moron. <laughs> yeah. So those two were great for me because I love when people are called out for their <clears throat> lack of participation in the game. Yeah, I also really enjoyed. Uh, you could tell they worked backwards from it, but Cerise about all of her allies being uh, eliminated and how she's going to lose another game on an island. I thought that was just. <laughs> I forgot about that one. I forgot about that one. <laughs> what was, was on an island got me? I forgot what what, what was Matt's? Oh, uh, his intelligence. Dumb joke. Yeah, okay. it was a dumb blonde joke. Okay, that was yeah forgettable. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that was the uh, veto competition. Jag ended up winning. Does anyone have any takes from the competition? I fast forwarded through it. So me, me, yes, please, Charles. Yes, was sorry. No, <laughs> it was. So I'm glad that you said that because that is my take. 
I have written and circled that this, to my memory, is the most boring OTEV competition I have ever watched. And I know you all don't like Cameron, but at least him being there, I feel as if we could have seen an actual competitor doing it. I mean, Felicia up here struggling as usual. America's dropping pictures. Everybody's getting shit wrong. And then it drove me crazy because I'm thinking, cool, at the beginning of this competition where you're fresh, you're all struggling up the rope like you're fucking trying to climb Mount Everest. And then just magically you just walk up it and you're cool. Like, I thought this was terrible as far as a competition to watch. And I'm actually pissed at myself for watching all of it. Like, it was it was pretty bad. Yeah. I like I said, now that when I saw Cameron wasn't in it, uh, I was like, all right, it's going to be Jagger Matt. So I'm just going to fast forward and find out how it's how it plays out. So, um, all right. That's like all of the stuff I had written down from this week that was interesting to me. Uh, I know there are a couple of things and then we'll get into predictions for next week and anything else you all want to get into. Uh, but I know Charles and I had a debate rearing in the text that we were going to save for tonight. So I want to go ahead and extend to you the opening salvo, why you think Cameron was a good player in this game, because I will quickly rebuttal and say, I think that he was a great competitor, but a terrible player. So please, why you seem to be a big fan of Cameron, especially the last couple of weeks. Uh, what made him such a good player uh, from your perspective, Charles? Yeah, um, you know, and you kind of put a couple things in the text where you said that he has zero social game and is a good competitor. For me, being a competitor is synonymous with being a player. Um, I think that I, well, I don't think, but I'll definitely agree. I'll say that his social game was mid at most. But again, I'm also looking from the perspective of he was blatantly trying to create something against everyone else that was doing something. And I feel that I'm not as good as maybe you or Richard in looking back at other seasons and saying who was in what season. But I also look at things, too, just, you know, as I look at like Derek's season, for example, of that is a terrible season to me because everyone else in the house was terrible and he won because they were terrible. That's how I kind of look at Cameron's season. I, I look at if he's in there with other people with different personalities that aren't already kind of locked together and trying to make something into something, then socially he's going to be different. You know, uh, even using Winston, you know, for example, and I was not a big Winston fan when he was in the house and I got to meet him in person and how, you know, even live feeds made him look. That's a completely different person. And he is completely different than what both feeds and the edits made him look like. And I feel as if I don't want to say, well, probably everybody, you know, again, I wasn't a big fan of Cameron from the jump. I was right along there saying, oh, my gosh, he's fucking terrible. But that was just so early in the game that I felt that he hadn't really dug his feet in at that point. And especially once Red was gone, he's like, okay, cool. My guy's gone. I'm going to fucking play. And if I need to not be friends with you, that's cool. And again, as you all know, 
you don't need to be friends with somebody to win this fucking game, in my opinion. So, yeah, again, mid-social game, but he fucking competed the hell out of it. You know, I'm angry about him getting voted out tonight because someone like Jag freaking orchestrated it, who, again, according to Zingbot, is a, a Lamborghini. And on the flip of that, I think him getting voted out and put on the block numerous times more so than whether or not people liked his personality also shows how well he was playing the game and competing in the game too. Yeah. Well, I'll say that separating entertainment from big brother strategy, I thought Cameron was excellent for television. Uh, He was a good personality uh, in the uh, diary room uh, he was obviously a little bit of a narcissist, but on television that comes off as entertainment. So he was very confident in the things he was doing in the game. Uh, his interview tonight, I thought was hilarious. Like I'm not the biggest Cameron fan, but I thought he knocked that out of the park. He was you know, funny with Julie. He was a little self-deprecating. Uh, he's more self-aware than he comes off. Like he is cocky and egotistical, but I think especially once he left the game and came back in, he was able to make some adjustments, look for more help in the house and be a little more uh, self-reflective on his game style. Not enough to make a big enough change that kept him in the house. Uh, But I really think the, the crux of it is that he's a great competitor, especially in those competition. He's not Michael of last season, but he was damn near close. Every competition he was first or second, basically. Uh, but he really shot him in his, shot himself in the foot with his like his social game. I mean, from day one, he got in that big alliance, the handful, the family style with uh, everyone, you know, Riley's group that she made. And then the second they hit the smallest speed bump, he threw them all under the bus and ran to the professors. And then as soon as the professors had a speed bump, he was moving on to the next one. And then at, at that point, you know, I, I, you know, the closest thing I have to the Big Brother house I can think of for comparison is like the game board game Risk. You know, you, you've got your armies on the map and you're trying to take over the world. I've played that game before and it's, I remember the first time I ever played it, I made a, I, I made an alliance with my buddy and we were like, yes, we'll protect each other. And then like three moves later, I stabbed him in the, in the back and I stole all his territory. And six months later, we played again and he would never make another alliance with me. And, it's, and the reason I bring this up is that like what you do early affects the rest of your game. You when you, When he burned that alliance and went to the professors in week one or week two, that makes an, an impression on the other housemates that is really, really difficult to erase. And so that's why he kind of had to turn to the Joker style of gameplay, which is just burn it all down, watch it burn, and maybe I can find a path through the fire. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and he he got damn near close. And, you know, he even got his ass saved with a twist and was able to survive longer than most people, which is staying one extra week. Uh, actually two, I think, because if you count Jared and him coming back in the house, he stayed two weeks. Most people, it's a revolving door. So I do give him a lot of credit. He had a fun game to watch. Um, I don't want to get into the too much into his creepiness, but it was a non-house secret that everyone knew that Cam had a weird thing 
with America. And before that, it was Riley. And it made everyone uncomfortable. Like it's F, uh, not FBJ. Um, Felicia brought that up as strategy when he was the HOH being like, hey, if you get Corey out of this house, you get America to yourself. Like that was how open of a secret it was that he was creeping on America, who at this point has an official relationship with Corey. And so, Sarah, you told me about how he compared himself to the main character of the show, you, which is the story of a stalker. So, uh, I just, th- he's got a lot okay. of issues. I, I love the, I love the show you, and I also love the main character. So maybe something, that's why I started to like him. <laughs> something I just said, set Siri off too. She started yelling at me about the show you. So, uh, but, but Sarah, I guess Richard, you've got to say, please, that we're, we're wrapping up a, a debate between was Cameron good or bad at this game. I was just going to like back up your point. Um, Wes off. I just think that like what people don't realize coming into the game is that your alliance doesn't have to be perfect and you don't have to make the perfect move every single week. Frankly, you're not going to make the perfect move every single week. There's going to be bumps in the road, but it's the people like Cam, like you said, the jump ship that are going to have issues because it's going to question loyalty and just like the good alliances. When you think back to like, excuse me, successful players and good alliances, they usually hit a bump in the road or like some flub up or like they lose a member or something like that. Something happens. Like the best alliances are not perfect start to finish. Yeah, I, if if Camp wanted an alliance, then 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 he should have been loyal to people like from the start, you know, like Cameron did jump ship. And the thing is, is like once Red got evicted, like I get it, your closest pal in the house got evicted. But like you should be surrounding yourself by final twos so that once like your closest ally in the house leaves, like you have other people. And I think like uh, to Charles, your point, it just shows like the viewer perspective of Cameron was really great, you know. But once you get on the live feeds, you realize that um, Cameron's downfall was himself. I mean, he would maybe try and get into a close relationship, a close alliance with someone and then call them stupid to their face. So, or be like completely arrogant or offensive to people about their disabilities, about their looks, about their strengths, about their uh, intelligence. And people don't want to really like work with someone like that or like be around someone like that. And so I just don't think that Cameron like even had like the social ability to be able to bring himself to the end in the end, like last week or two weeks ago, I definitely thought that Cameron had a chance of sitting in the final two chairs, but the way he handles like people in general, like on the live feeds is just absolutely insane. Um, the way that he thinks that he can talk to people, which is just not shown like his chaos and his humor, like is shown on the screen, 
but his absolute narcissistic misogyny is not. And um, I think that's a production protection, you know, obviously that's going on over castmates, but for the people that are live viewers, um, it's hard to like not look past his assholeness. I, you know, and I'll give you, I'll give you all that, I, you know, and I obviously watch more live feeds this year than I probably have in my life. This is, you know, I'm now watching Survivor and I watch live. <laughs> We're converting them. <laughs> who knows what's going to happen next? And, and I'll give you that. But that's the thing, too. Like, who in their life on here hasn't been an asshole? Who hasn't done something like that? So it's like, OK, cool. I'm going to go all in and completely act as if I'm a perfect person um, on the flip you know, to rebuttal to who else in the house also isn't in multiple alliances. So that to me becomes an irrelevant argument when it looks at gameplay because it's like, oh, he jumped ship. Like everybody in there fucking is jumping ship and making agreements and all this stuff. So he's literally doing the same thing that everybody else is. Um, but no, I'll, I'll give you that. He He's a little off-putting for sure, but you know, Compared to Jared, he's a saint. And that's why it's like, if we're going to really kind of go there of like, oh, I'm uncomfortable and blah, 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 blah. It's like, you know what? I would rather hang out with Cam any day than Jared, period. I was a little surprised that Jared didn't get a shout out in Suri's uh, speech. I mean, obviously, I mean, she's she keeping her racks, but she could have done out. a little wink, wink, like secret phrase or something. Yeah, she's not going to throw him out there like that yet. No, I love you. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, it, you know, this is something if we had a huge Twitter following, I'd love to put a poll out there. Was Cameron a good player? Um, Sarah, now that you're our social media director, put that poll out there for all five of our followers. But yeah, 100%. 100%. But all right. That's um, besides predictions for next week. That's all the major points I had. Uh, did I miss anything? Uh, anything you all really want to dive into? Come on. I mean, Richard, we Richard. we all know that Corey and America are officially boyfriend and girlfriend, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. good, good, good. Right, we don't have to talk okay. too much more about that. I like that Zingbot ripped on his stash a little bit. I I actually Thank God. I'm, a, I'm impressed that three weeks ago I was the conductor of the AmeriCorey train. And I don't know if it's from podcasting with you, Sarah, or just in general. He, he, I've got the ick. Like I got the ick bad, and, and I have, once it's I've there, never it doesn't go back. away. It does it's not go there. away. It's it. it I mean, maybe if he shaved his mustache and like put something on besides a wife beater, I might change it. But he's just—that's just who Corey is at this point in the Big Brother universe. So, um, all right, let's uh, make some predictions for next week. Uh, Richard, I'll start with you. Now that we're down to our final eight. Um, I guess since you didn't uh, watch this episode tonight, well, let's not talk about the twist yet, but just, you know, who the final eight are um, Jag and Matt are in a great position. Uh, but do you see, is there a path forward for another player? Like what's the best what's, scenario to, to besides Matt and Jags like power trip right now? What's the most interesting way you see this week playing out, I guess. What's the HOH comp. Do we know that that should no. be public knowledge by now. 
Yes, I think that on, it is the uh, the cup filler, the slip inside cup Ooh. filler thing. The one, the one where they all fall on their asses. Yes. Yeah, so basically, no. it's it's a matter jag shoe in. Oh my god! I literally said I would kill to see Felicia Cannon in this <laughs> comp, and I'm <laughs> getting it. You know, Her and FBJ. Her and FBJ are gonna have me fall no, no. off my seat. Now, FBJ is I the wouldn't host. say I wouldn't say anything. Oh, that's right. Confirmed <laughs> because at the end of the episode, we saw them walk into the HOH room, and there's like some oh, glowing wait. geoid. But hold on, Sarah. The twist, because Richard, I was gonna not talk about. Yeah, it you until explained. After you explained it for like a second. I mean, yeah, yeah. Julie, all she said was like two sentences about it. But the way Julie phrased it, if to correct me if I'm wrong here, Sarah and Charles, but the way she phrased it was that the HOH will be invisible this week. Yeah, I. So if go that's back the case, look at that. If that's the case, it can't be slip and slide because you'd know who won. Unless they're going to go one at a time and just do a timer. But that would take hours. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I think that there was a leak that it was the slip and slide today. But then when they showed like that big geoid gem thing at the end, um, I wasn't so sure because we've had wrong predictions in the past this season with like the with like. Well, Richard, let me catch you up to speed real quick. I was going to say, yeah, my theory well, hold on, Even, before you have a theory, yeah, okay. the thing you missed on the episode Sarah was referring to, right at the end with like two minutes left, uh, Julie was like, oh, it's gonna, you've done the spooky or scary verse, you've done the humiliverse, and you've done the whatever the other one is. Tremble. Yeah, she's like, and now, and then they played a sound effect of a crash. She goes, go up to the HOH room. They all run up there, open the door, and there's like a... They're like, there's eight new house guests. There's eight new house guests. They, they, they were guessing that. But when they open the door, there's like a Superman crystal sticking on the ground and like fog machines. And it's like, oh, comic week is starting. And so I don't know if that actually meant anything, but it seems like the HOH room with such elaborate... Uh, uh, props in that room that it's probably not going to be occupied by anyone. So it really does lend me to think that the HOH will be secret all week. So I guess now, Richard, that you've heard what that twist is, how does that affect this week? Like, how do you think a secret HOH plays out? Do this live because it's the first time you're hearing it. I still think that there's an easy way that it gets figured out by veto. Like, unless the the best way that you could do it is, in my opinion, if you're like, let's say a Matt or a Jack victory, and then you nominate like someone like an ally of yours, maybe not the other person in the duo. It might even be beneficial to a certain degree to nominate the other duo. Like if I'm Matt, there's a certain there is an angle where you can defend putting Jag up just to be like this way. They won't know that it's me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not saying it's a good move. I think there's a way that you can explain it. I just think like picking people like I think the best move is if the HOH doesn't immediately nominate the obvious choice, the obvious like enemy for that person. So like I'm just trying to think of like house dynamic right now. Like if it's American Aquarius on the block, like, you're like, oh, is blue the HOH? Exactly. Something like that. Like don't make it obvious immediately. Because now you've got people going like, let's see if like if Sari thinks she's good with Matt and Jag and Matt nominate and then they figure out it's Matt and then Sari can just go, but why didn't you tell me anything? Why wasn't I included in any conversations? So like you want to make it uh, a way where either it's not 
obvious until the veto nomination to the veto ceremony or like you just rope in anyone that you think would feel like that you risk feeling slighted if you don't include them because i feel like sari would take it to heart if you if she's not included in plans knowing her survivor game she's very used to being in conversations whether that be true or false or like fake and falsified she's used to being in some sort of conversation so if you completely exclude her she'll feel slighted if you're one of her allies things like that um i don't know if it's a slip and slide matt and jag who do they target hell knows literally no one is on their team except for each other right now so yeah well charles uh I was going to go somewhere with this, but I guess I'll just throw it to you. If it's not going to be Matt and Jag, because it's probably going to be, if it's anything physical, uh, who would it be the most entertaining week, you know, outside of those two? Or I guess you don't even have to say that. Who are you rooting for in this final eight? Just, just tell me where you're, where's your head at now that Cameron's out of the game. You know, now I have to go back to my team and I have to root for my solo remaining person from the draft in America. You know, she has been close a couple times in winning comps. So she's not as weak as people think that she is. And if this is a an opportunity and a competition she could win, I think it'd be it'd be great. Um I I do want to see her a bit more active. And again, I'm again, why am I defending Cameron right now. Um, hopefully he and I'll be like BFF and just go on a fucking American rampage of <laughs> hatred. Um, but no, you know, I I don't know. Now that now that he's gone, I'm kind of impartial to what goes on at this point. Um, I would love to see Corey and America in power. Um, either one of them, truthfully. Everybody else for me is just kind of, eh. Um, obviously, Matt, of course, um, I have a soft spot for him. Uh, kind of unfortunate that he's with Jag. Yeah, I feel like Jag is definitely just, he's helped him, so I don't want to take that away from their relationship. But, you know, Matt has definitely really, really pulled Jag along in this game. So um, I was going to say, you can't you can't count AmeriCorey out of the physical competition conversation depending on which kind of competition you know, sure hold on well sarah because i'm going to send it to you i will say though if if we get an america or or Corey hoh uh then i'll see you next week live feeds because i ain't watching a whole week of america to Corey with a private room like no thank you um i am over i hate they'll loud. find ways to you the rock they'll find ways to yeah. use the rock <laughs> but oh, sarah okay. but sarah i <laughs> As you give me your predictions for this week, uh, so it's comic week. We already think it's going to be a physical HOH. Uh, if it's comic week, then it has to be a comic veto, and we know who wins comic vetoes. It's also probably going to be uh, Jag Ooh, or, or Matt. I will say, though, in 21, uh, Nicole Anthony beat Mickey in the uh, in the uh, comics veto. So maybe America and Corey still do have a chance in that one. Uh, but I think, you know, you tell me your opinion, but I think this week he- slants heavily towards the, uh, at this point, we need to just give them a name like the Jat or Mag. The Miniman. <laughs> Mag. 
I'm mad. Well, <laughs> don't give an A on the end of that, though. First of all, I think that if <laughs> listen, if it's a secret HOH, then it's probably going to be a secret veto winner too. They're probably going to do a secret veto nomination ceremony where they reveal who, if the veto is used, and who's it's used on, and then the secret HOH renom. Because when you think about it, if they actually did show the veto, but the HOH was secret and the veto was used, then how would they go about asking the HOH for a renom unless everything was secret? So we'll see about that. I Can definitely I throw one thing in for you to re- react to. Yes. This whole house has never kept one freaking secret this whole season. They've barely held on to the Suri and Jared secret. Do you think this even lasts the whole week? I feel like we're going to, the HOH is going to get out like by Saturday. Oh, somebody's going to tell. I think, I think if Matt wins, I think Matt will only tell Jag and Suri, maybe. I think if Corey wins, then obviously he'll tell America and probably the whole house will find out. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think, you know, same with America. You know, one thing I will say is that in the house right now, a lot of the house guests themselves are considering Jag a better player than Matt. Um, Obviously, they're not seeing all the things we are seeing in the case of like Matt is doing all the behind work and Jag is kind of being dragged along. Um, But I am a little bit worried for like a Tyler final two where we see Matt in the final two with Jag and everyone votes for Jag because they they think he's played a better game that is my fear like a hundred percent my fear but who i think that they're going to be targeting next week i think that if it is a secret hoh i think that jag and matt will go after Corey in america and Corey in america will go after jag and matt i think that if there's any in between it'll be a blue target um matt and jag have already talked about targeting blue Corey and America have already kind of spoken about it a little bit. Um, and America spilled information to Blue about Jag and Matt targeting her next week. So we know that Blue will probably, maybe, hopefully be trying for this HOH. <laughs> um, not that we're actually rooting for her, but uh, if she wants a chance in this game, then maybe she should try. Um, but hey, Sarah, I, I have a question for you. Real yes, quick. yes. You, you bring up a point that I was kind of thinking, if this is all truly secret, is this an HOH where if Jag wins, for example, how aware or unaware is he of what the house thinks about their partnership? Because I'm thinking, okay, if this is 100% a secret, again, I'm the master of chaos over here. I'm going to take a chance to put up my ride or die because you got to think about all the situations too, where if the house perceives your partner as an equal, do you really want to take that chance and sit next to them? Or do you want to fucking go balls to the wall and just get rid of them, especially in a, in a moment where no one knows, right? So is this that chance where if no one truly knows, depending on how aware, you know, these couples are, 
Because I don't think that's going to happen with Corey in America. You know, they're they're in it to the very end. But again, looking at Jag and Matt, is is this a chance where Jag would take that stab at Matt? Because I don't think Matt would do it for Jag. You know, I think I like I definitely see your your points on like why or how that would be beneficial to them. I just like actually don't think that they are thinking that way. Like Jag is too loyal of a person to betray Matt and Matt has taken Jag this far along to get rid of him. Um, Corey in America, obviously vice versa. I just don't think that that even those thoughts would, I don't think they would even consider it at this point, to be honest. I think that at this point, if they are, um, if they don't make a good decision, I think that Blue will go home next week. I just think that's a stupid decision for Blue to go home. I think that if Jagger Matt win, it's got to be Corey in America. And if Corey in America win, it's got to be the same. Blue being evicted, just it's probably going to happen, but it's just so stupid. But I need her gone, please. <laughs> kitty, okay. kitty, her girl. <laughs> Girl. Richard. Right. Boots, boots down slight. All right. I'm gonna go back to what Charles said. Um you're gonna go so, what? Sorry. I'm gonna go back to what Charles said. Yeah, and I think I agree with Charles that there's a certain benefit to targeting your other half when it's all secretive, but you also need to think if I'm in their shoes, I'm thinking that, but I'm also thinking if I go through with this, it's a great move for me. It super like to so many degrees helps build my resume sitting in the final two. What are my options if I do this? Do I have an alternative plan? Do I have people that will protect me and work with me if I get rid of the one person in this game that I can trust? Like if I'm Matt specifically, like I get rid of Jack. Do I trust Sari to work with me and get to that final three where I can then use my physicality? to to go to to advance or do i think she's too loyal to someone else and can't prioritize me as her as her number one you know you know Corey and america are going to go for him right so like that doesn't help and the whole other thing is like i agree it's concerning to me that that matt isn't seen as enough of a player right now but at the end of the day that can all change if he just absolutely knocks his um his finale speech out of the park We've seen in Big Brother and I've seen in 44 scenes of Survivor how important a strong performance at the finale is. Oh, it's crucial. It's I majorly disagree. It has also it has also like broken people's games. For me, I'm a firm believer that it that the crappy name name one. I know one, but can you because I know you didn't watch this season? Can you name one speech that changed anyone's mind in Big Brother? Maybe Survivor is different, but okay, on Big okay. Brother finale um, nights, a speech okay. that changed. Here's the Richard. Okay. I've no, been looking I got it. For all okay. night. There he is. Don't Paul say Abraham- Taylor. Paul Abrahamian. I am. Conv- I think that he lost because of his uh, shitty performance on finale night twice, and he did it twice in a row. I know he for did- sure the second one was because the whole house hated him for. To having too many promises to people and backstabbing. Yeah. Yes, he, but he, also the true bitter jury loser. Right. Yes. But at the same time, his performance on finale night did not help him. Yeah, at but every at every corner. But from he, what you're saying, you're saying a speech could have changed the, those minds, and there's no way one speech. You have three minutes. 
to make to change people's minds who are in their like nice clothes but you have every answer to the question and he could have beaten franzel there was a way that he could have beaten franzel if he gave a good enough performance on finale night and every single time when she was defending her game he was making stupid faces and being argumentative he never owned up to any of his actions every answer that he gave people were like we felt bullied you know what he said uh, I yeah, but they came friendship. in. They came into that night already feeling that way. I agree. Okay, this is why, but, as a fan, I'd love for them to make it a separate episode where you get to yes. be interviewed by the jurors, let them go home, marinate on that. That would have an effect. But at the same time, I think, like especially in the case of Big Brother eighteen, Big Brother nineteen was a tougher jury, but Big Brother eighteen had a much fairer jury than nineteen, where all it took, in my opinion for Paul to win that season, A, own up to your actions. If people say they felt bullied, just say, I understand that what I said and what I did has left that mark, and I'm sorry that that's how it came off. That was never my intention. That's what he should have said. Instead, he was like, no, I stand for friendship. I don't think I bullied anyone. If I did it, I'm sorry that you felt that way. I'm sorry you felt that way is not an apology. No. Uh, I'm sorry no. that my actions hurt you. That's something. Without saying, without admitting fault. Like, you don't have to admit fault. Add on to it. He did not do a great job defending his game. Explain your moves. Explain why you did them. He played a great game. He's a great player. He should have won. Talk about it. Talk about it. I wanted him I, to win okay, at the time, I too. Think Franzel, I think Franzel played a great game as well. I just think she did a better yeah. job. I just think she did a better job explaining herself, explaining her game than Paul did. Simple. Uh, I'll say I this. think that it's very important how you do on finale night. I don't have an issue with your with anything with the with your analysis of those speeches or the way they gave the speeches and how we're breaking them down. I, as a super fan, I just have a problem with the show. Like they could actually make it be a component of how you play this game. If they move that whole segment to a, a Wednesday night short episode, let's get I our agree. questions in. Let's let the jury marinate on it. And then it might actually have an effect. It's really hard to make change people's minds in three minutes when they're already sitting yeah. in the seats, nice clothes on ready to make their votes. Like they've got their minds made up usually. But as I say, all of this, I don't know if it actually was like officially changed minds, but I do think it did happen once Charles big brother candidate 10, when Kevin Jacobs gave that speech, he was an underdog. You know, he was going up against, what was that tall guy's I'm name? The underdog in my eyes. Right. I called it from day one. Josh, he was going up against Josh who yeah. won like 15 competitions that season. People loved him. Like, Nice guy, loyal. And then Kevin gives this speech where he hypes people up and he's like making everyone feel great. And he's yelling and he's screaming and he's, I just, it was a masterpiece. I'm not sure it's why he won the game, but it didn't hurt. And so Richard, if you ever want to watch a speech, I think actually did make a difference. Kevin Jacobs finale night speech was one for the ages. Uh, Taylor yeah, Taylor yeah, also yeah, had yeah. a great speech, but that was in the books weeks before she actually gave that speech. So, well, and, and not to drone on, but you know, I feel like talking about this is important since it's the name of our fucking podcast, The Bitter Jury. Um, you know, I I agree with both of you, and as I've said numerous times, it's dependent on who's in the house with you. 
right? Because you got to think finale it's the theme night. theme of this episode. <laughs> yeah, no, but you know, you you got to think finale night. It is full of pre-written questions from production that, hi, Daniel, you took three people to, <laughs> like, okay, like, whatever you say to that, truthfully, I don't give a fuck because I know that you are being forced to ask this question. But when you get to the one-on-one speech, yeah, tell me your moves. Tell me this. If you are in the house with a group of people who are there to actually play the game, who aren't going to get their feelings hurt because you lied to them multiple times in spite of the fact that they lied to you, then your speech is going to have a little bit of leeway because it needs to have some factual information about what happened. If you're butt hurt and you're saying, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to let the person win that I feel lied to me. You shouldn't have been in the fucking Big Brother house in the first place. Keep your ass at home. Just like I said about the Survivor people, you know what you fucking signed up for. Keep your ass at home if you can't get on a fucking rope ladder five minutes into being on a boat. And so that's just what drives. I'm a Brandon fanboy now. But Hannah, no, no. But, <laughs> you are telling that to yeah, a lot of past yeah. bitter jurors, Charles. Uh, oh, for sure. No, I wouldn't be. Bit- I'm going to vote for who played the game. I'm not going to get butt hurt over somebody manipulating me better than I tried to manipulate them. Like, get the fuck over it. Again, I'm trying to win this money. Deuces. If we're friends outside of here, cool. You can go party with me on an island. But if not, cool, I'm still going to go party on the island. Done. So I don't know. It's like it's so weird because the dynamic of who's in the house and how they react to what happens in the house is such a big factor. And it does go back to where I agree with, you know, kind of what Daniel's saying and anybody that believes in like hardcore jury management, you have to be able to read your house well enough to know what that's going to require. If you can get the vibe and know that you're in a house of people that's all about manipulating and, hey, we're going to lie to each other because it's just a game and we're going to pat each other on the back and give each other hugs and hang out when we get out, then cool, go play your fucking game. If everybody's in here crying and whining and you lied to me and I can't do this and blah, 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 then fuck that. Like. Hey, Charles, that was, that was an exquisite point, Richard. Yeah. Um, get out. All right. I was going to say, so I can name. I really did appreciate your point, though, by the way. I can. I can. You're West off. You're right. I can name a few examples in survivor history where that like final tribal is very crucial to performing well in. And the reason why I think it's so difficult with Big Brother is because. I agree with you on the t- on the point that like there are a lot of preconceived notions going into finale night. And I think where things usually change for jurors, at least when I watch survivor is when there's information that they didn't know happened, that actually is substantial, like a big move that like, if I'm a juror in survivor, I've seen it where like Daniel makes a big move, but the person who approached me was Charles But then Daniel tells me, like, no, that was me who said it. That was my idea. I did that. That's when it changes. 
But for me, I think it's difficult to see those examples in Big Brother because going back to me saying that you're right about preconceived notions, a lot of the time jurors come in with the right person already picked. They don't need to have their mind changed because they've already picked the right person who played the better game to win. 16, they already came in saying it was going to be Derek. 17, they already said whoever was sitting next to Liz was going to win. Like, let's be real. We all knew Liz was not winning. She was happy to collect her check and go enjoy Austin. Like, like, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to like keep thinking. Um, 22. Oh, 20, uh, the all-star season. Oh, come on. Enzo gave everything up to Cody. Regardless, they already were oh, thinking Cody. We can do a whole other episode on the stuff that came out today from Janelle, but that's oh, going to yeah, be another hour. Oh, wait, so. what? Janelle oh, we'll spilled the beans we'll on the pre-gaming after. that happened for season 22. All the like stuff we'll tell you at, they we'll talked tell about you before they got it's, in the it's house. Juicy. So. Ooh, it's juicy. But that'll be a whole other hour. So but, go ahead, Richard. Yeah, wrap us up here on this pod here. Final yeah. point here. But I just think like the only like real examples where like it was tight between two and the final like speech made a difference. You're right with Taylor, but I also would throw Big Brother 20 in there. I think Casey did a great job with her final speech in displaying what her game was and why she did the things the way she did. I already see the visceral reaction from Sarah. I <laughs> would like to preface this. I would like to say this. I am a hardcore Tyler Crispin fanboy. Whenever Tyler Crispin is on my TV screen, I am filled with joy. And I think oh, that he, and if I was a juror, yeah, <laughs> I, that's like what started my if, hardcore <laughs> fandom was like Tyler's season. So, and if I was a juror, I think Tyler played the better game. With that said, I think Casey had a great performance in the final two and gave a great speech. Okay, but here's the here is what I'm saying about this season is I'm having flashbacks to BB20 when Tyler's sitting in the final two and I'm seeing Matt sit in that final two, but I'm seeing him sit next to someone that that the juror believes has played a better game than him because Matt's been I, 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 you know, and also I'd like to pose the question of like, if Matt wins the HOH and like puts up his best ally, Jag, like what kind of jury management is that? Everyone's going to be like, Matt is the most, di but secret in this house is only secret <laughs> for so long. So like everyone's going to get in that juror house and be like, Matt is a liar. I am voting him to win. He voted his best ally out of here. And but so I think. I that's a huge move. You Sarah, that's a huge move. But that's also like, I think if Matt can eloquently explain his game and why he played really well, there's a very easy way where he can convince people. Like, it could be as simple as saying, do think all of these big moves, I had a big part in all of them. And here's why. I do think that Matt could win the house with his speech. I do. I do think he could win the house with just his, his speech with the whisper thing included That's in there. That's all I'm there. saying. Like, it's all he's got to say is that exactly what no, he did tonight. Wow. And everyone would vote for him to win because, like, what the hell? Like, he's been enduring this for weeks and weeks and weeks and many people can endure similar things and actually talk about it and have a change but he can't because he's in the house of whispers so um you know just that alone it's, 
you it's know, hitting can, me but it's hitting me now that Sarah and I, for the last three minutes, have been arguing the same <laughs> point in different ways. It's all like, right. It's I, I'm your counterpoint. I'm the one saying a speech will not make a difference. That there, it's you, nice. It's nice to disagree with you, Weston. It's nice to disagree with you. Unless it's literally tied coming in, and and you can, I think you can move it like four percent. That's how much move you can make with your speech, um, unless you're Kevin Jacobs. But all right, we could go on about this all night. Uh, I'm sure if we really wanted to, we could do a whole other episode, and maybe we will one day. But uh, that was quite the episode for a Bowie Jane week. So I'm glad we found our stride there because I was a little worried I, coming into night. Well, eighty-five, eighty-five percent of our conversation was not about Bowie. Exactly. Jane. <laughs> That's why I was nervous coming. That's in. why it was good. That's why it was good. <laughs> But all right, I think we've um, played this week out as about as much as it could be. Uh, Faith, do you have any final points you'd like to say about Big Brother this week? (laughs) All right, well, on that point, thank you everyone for watching today. Uh, Make sure you subscribe, uh, like us on social media. We'll be back next week as we always are. Tune in for Survivor on Tuesdays. Uh, But with that said, uh, we'll see you all next week. Thanks, everyone.